Look, I don't know if you guys have heard about this article in the New York Times about honeybees vanishing. The honeybee is vital to the environment. Bees, Scotty. Bumblebee! Killer bees. Are you endowing these bees with human motives? Yeah. Bees are funny. You're not interested in what happened to the bees. Do you have any idea what those bees can do? Welcome to Killer Bees, a podcast where we profile B-movie and genre film icons. My name is Garrett Smith. And my name is Story Potenza. We can be found everywhere on the internet at Killer Bees Podcast. That's Killer BS Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and at gmail.com. We're a part of the Movie John Podcast Network on moviejohn.com. That's the Philadelphia John, J-A-W-N. Our artwork is by Alex Schneider. Our music is by Christine Rayburn and her partner, Pat. And today we are talking about a, a huge favorite in this household, someone we have become enormous fans of in the last like two to three years, Sharon Stone. Oh my God. I cannot wait to talk about Sharon. I can't wait to learn about Sharon. Um. Okay, so like I fell in love with Sharon Stone after we watched Basic Instinct last year. Yes. Uh, which is also interesting because uh, as we talk more about her, uh, you know, she definitely got pigeonholed because of that movie. Um, sure. And thought of in a certain way. And I think she, uh, you know, feels a certain way about that. But... Uh, well, it's like the one-two punch <laughs> of that and Sliver, right? Like, we'll talk about it. Yeah. But, yeah. Like, she is... We're, I mean, we're going to talk about it, but she is so fucking good in Basic Instinct. Yeah. And it's like the quintessential, like, do I want to be with her or do I want to be her? And I think the answer is both. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Because she is like legitimately like everything a girl could dream to become. Um, do you mean Tramel <laughs> or do you mean Tramel. Sharon herself? Tramel. But then yeah. as I learned about Sharon, I was also like, oh, I'm also in love with you because you are uh, not like this character at all. Yeah. And that also made me fall in love with you like she's she's the coolest yeah. like I fucking love Sharon Stone Tramiel being the character she plays yes Catherine Tramiel I just realized we're just like talking without any context yeah I'm very excited about this Me I'm too. like fully in love with Sharon Stone yeah. I, she is like the babeliest of babes uh, I totally yeah, agree and like worship her would yes. let her step on me <laughs> like like love this woman <laughs> fully agree and really cool that we get to talk about her in this way where it's like you know that is what she was pigeonholed as, right? The babe, the 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 most babe babe of all time. Yeah. But and like it, cold bitch, right? Like, but now we get to talk about her as the most babe babe of all time because of more than just the way she looks in Basic Instinct, right? Yeah, like, like it's, everything yeah. about her makes her like one of the sexiest women in yes, the world. Agreed. Um, yeah. and yeah, the more I learned about her doing this, the more I fell in love with her as a person and not just the babely babe that she is in Basic Instinct. Totally agreed. Um, although I cannot wait to talk about Basic Instinct. Uh, we're going to get into it. Yeah, it's going to be great. Um, you want to talk about some stuff we watched first? Well, I think the first thing I want to announce is like big killer bees news, oh, okay. which is that this past weekend I got a tattoo oh, yes. of Mako Kaji, mm -hmm. one of our faves yep. that uh, we did on the podcast. Another last season another one of the babiness babes of all time yes of course uh so i got a really amazing tattoo uh by this artist gwen who's in maniunk and i got uh lady snowblood and uh scorpion from female prisoner scorpion uh together and it is beautiful i love my new tattoo so very much uh, even though it's gross and peeling right now uh but uh when she showed me the design i was like <gasps> 
this is like the Mako of my dreams. So I just wanted to shout that out because it's amazing. It is amazing. It looks awesome. Yeah. And it is like, it's, you know, her two most famous, most comic book looking characters, basically as comic book characters back to back on yeah. your arm. And it's really cool. They're amazing. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I am very, very pleased that I get to have, yes, this other Babely babe uh, on my arm forever. Yeah. Um, yeah, but then we should also talk about what we watched recently. Yeah, of course. Um, Which I know there are two standout things, I think. At least I think they were two of the best things we watched last week. I mean, I'm assuming... One, here, let me see if I can do them both. I know one of them for sure, so let me see if I can get the other one. Is Mad God one of the ones you want to talk of about? Of course. Yes. Phil Tippett's Mad God. Yes. Uh, which is now finally available on Shudder. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're a horror fan, you've probably been hearing about this for a while. Phil Tippett is the special effects artist that has worked on tons and tons of stuff from Star Wars to like a lot of horror. He's been across all genres, all movies. You love Mm -hmm. Phil Tippett if you like movies, even if you don't know his name. Yeah. Uh, And uh, I have a a single movie friend at work that I can really talk to about shit like this. And I was like, you need to see Mad God. Uh, It's like, I have, you know, my dumb boring office job. And I'm like, no one will appreciate this except for my one Uh uh, coworker friend. Uh, It's, I don't even know how you would describe this movie. Um, I, I don't. I really don't. But it kind of feels like just weird stream of consciousness. Like I just like went with the flow of like all of the crazy imagery this movie showed me and everything is so Everything is so breathtaking in this movie just to look at, even when it's disgusting, uh, which there is a lot of disgustingness in this movie. A lot of things pooping into other things' mouths. Yes, uh, but like, holy shit, like just... Uh, from a technological standpoint, it's insane that he was able to make this movie, but it's also just so cool. I love it. Yeah, so it's like a stop motion movie, I believe, is is the main uh, yeah. uh, medium that he's working mm-hmm. in in this movie. Although I do think there's like some live action stuff that's in here. He's like mixing mediums occasionally, but it's mostly stop action, which is one of my favorite filmmaking mediums. Um, and but it's to a scale and degree that I don't think I have really ever seen anywhere else like there are scenes in it where it feels like you only he could have made this movie because only Tippett would have 400 models of creatures that didn't get used for other movies that he made Mm. that he could populate the frame with you know what I mean um and yeah I I don't I don't know what this movie's about I've heard people describe it as very personal I could kind of see that to some extent but it's also as you described like very stream of conscious Mm. It's called Mad God. It opens with a Bible verse. It seems to sort of be a description of the underworlds, quote yeah. unquote. But I don't even know if that's actually accurately describing what Phil Tippett made a movie about. You yeah. know what I mean? I I saw someone uh, had a funny tweet about it the other day, which it has luckily gotten some theatrical releases, yeah. which is really cool. I would love cool. to see this on the big screen. Me too. But someone was like, no, I'm not going to see Mad God in theater. I'm going to see it in my room alone in the dark like Phil Tippett <laughs> intended. And that is like very much the vibe of that movie for sure yeah (laughs) um yeah i i need to watch it again just because like there is so much going on in every single shot of just like weird shit in the background that i like had trouble figuring out what to focus on and so now i need to watch it again and like look at all the other like weird stuff going on in the background to appreciate it it felt like a fucked up like i spy yeah like i loved those books when i was a kid and so like every every like picture is like that where you're just like there's so much here yeah yeah i (laughs) 
just a remarkable like piece of art yeah. basically insane I, you know i don't even know what to think of it i just know that it was incredible and that i probably will never see a movie like it nope. again you know and i loved it it yeah. was it was so good i have Besides this other movie, yes. uh, I have not been able to stop thinking about uh, Mad God. Agreed. Yeah, the only thing that stopped me from thinking about Mad God was that we finally watched the movie everybody has been talking about. We watched RRR on Netflix. Oh, my God. This is a Tollywood movie. Uh, forgive me because I, I did not do enough research to know, but there is a distinction between Bollywood and Tollywood. I believe it's because there's another language in India that starts with a T that is what the is like the main lane. In fact, I've, I've Tollywood being South Indian mm -hmm. and Bollywood mainly um, films in Hindi. Yes. Um, so you know what I found out? Yeah. The version that we watched on Netflix is the Hindi dub of RRR. Weird. It's okay. It's not even the original Tollywood because whatever language they speak in South India starts with a T. I can't remember. Uh, Telugi. Okay. Uh, yeah, or Bengali are the okay. two languages that are typically in Tollywood cinema. But Bollywood is more popular because Hindi has a bigger audience. Interesting. Uh, okay. That, yes. that, that makes sense to me to some mm -hmm. extent that it's like a more common language or something. Yeah. So it's, yeah. Um, and so I, I think it's the the T language that you just said is, yeah. is what this originally was. And apparently it's the Hindi dub that is on uh, Netflix. Um, but so uh, RRR is this three hour Tollywood epic. Tollywood has very similar sensibilities to Bollywood. So if, if you have a reference for Bollywood, you've sort of got a reference for mm -hmm. what RRR is. It has dance numbers. It has songs in it. It is wall to wall action. But the kind of action that like, I can't believe... It's like, I can't believe it took this movie for me to remember that like, oh yeah, mm -hmm. we used to make movies like this where it's like every scene feels like it's constantly escalating. Like it always has some new height that it can achieve. Yep. And, and, and even though the opening action sequence is one of the most remarkable action sequences you've ever seen, every action sequence that's about to follow tops it in every way. You keep just being like, holy shit, this is wild. Yeah. Like for three hours. Yeah. Um, and it's, but it's action. It's like beautiful, like dance and songs. Yes. And then it's also like uh, two just um, incredible characters. Like yes. I fell in love with these two guys. Me too. Uh, Ram and what's the other? Uh, Beam. Ram and yeah. Beam. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and apparently they are based on two historical figures yes. from India's history. Yeah, two like revolutionaries. Yes. Um, um, and like colonial yeah, India. It's, it's a super anti-colonialist movie. Yeah. It, it is most assuredly propaganda in some way, but for things that I don't know why you would complain about you know what i mean yeah um, it's it, yeah like i think rr stands for like what like uh rise, rise. roar revolt yes right? yeah it's like right. it's so uh, good yeah um uh, um it, like and I, i'm pretty sure we've talked about how much we dislike watching long movies yes. on this podcast yes. i'm sure because we talk about it all the time yes. but like i like i don't think a minute was wasted in this movie no. like that whole three-hour runtime like totally necessary for it to be like the most amazing batshit movie ever. Yeah. Like, and, yeah. And there's actually like a clear sort of like intermission point, I think, where the screen literally like fades to black and then comes back up on sort of like the next sequence of the movie. Yep. Um, that I think you could, you would know it when you saw it. You could break the movie up that way if you wanted to in two sittings. But I think you're right. It's like the finale of this movie is truly incredible and is only as incredible as it is because of the two and a half hours that precede it. It, it, it yep. requires every ounce of what they're doing to sort of do what they do ultimately. Yep. But 
I mean, we could sit here and do an hour long podcast on this movie because like every scene is so interesting and weird and gives you something to talk about. But like the only thing I want to talk about on the other side of it is just that like Ram and Beam have such an incredible bromance over the course of this movie that is so wonderfully highlighted in a dance sequence that made me cry in the middle of this wall to wall action packed and like fast and furious level crazy shit action there is a dance number that brought me to tears with the sheer power of cinema that it elicits. It is so incredible. Yeah. Oh, God. It's breathtaking. Yes. And, like, the actor that plays Rom. The hottest man of all time. Holy shit. Like, yeah. like so hot that I might stop the Sharon Stone podcast to <laughs> instead talk about Rom. He's beautiful and he is styled like several different ways throughout the movie and everything he looks amazing in. Like he has different facial hair and like haircuts and like completely different outfits and everything he wears. You're like, Oh, and you're just another perfect version of yourself. Like I want like a line of like Barbie dolls of each of his like (laughs) characters in RRR. I read that these two actors are two of like the biggest stars in India too. So this is like, this is like a big, this is like if Tom Cruise and Robert Downey Jr. co-starred in like a big, you know, like Hollywood blockbuster together. Oh, that's wild. Just like two huge famous movies. They had great chemistry. Like they, they were just so good. Yeah. This movie it, amazing, like, and it's on Netflix. Like, go watch it, like, right yep. now. Oh like, yeah, pause you can the watch podcast. It from the couch, and it's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, I really cannot recommend it highly yes. enough. I, I just had the best time watching this movie. I haven't stopped thinking about it. Yeah, it's, and I like want it to just like recommend it to every yes. person that I meet. I'm like, please watch this. Yep. It is a gift that I am giving you. It's yep. like when I talk about dinner in America. I'm just like, this yep. is like a perfect gift I am giving you. You will love it. Yep. Like, watch it. Agreed. Um, I'm glad we got to talk about RRR yeah. a little bit. Um, and then I only want to mention this just because these are other things that really stuck in my head where uh, just we've been watching like a fair amount of like Asian cinema recently. Mm-hmm. And so um, I watched The Sadness, which is uh, the new like shutter like zombie movie yeah. uh, that's really good. What country um, is that from? I don't remember. I forget as well. Um but I can look it up while you talk. It's okay. There is so much like insane violence in this movie to the point where like there they there is a point in the movie where they just allude to a super violent act that's gonna happen that like is so extreme they like literally like can't show it in the movie. Oh, but given the fact that you've seen so much other crazy shit in the movie, you're just like Whoa, like there's something so wild that happens that we just like know what happened, but they did not show it on the screen. Weird. Like that's crazy. <laughs> um, that does sound crazy. It's a uh, Taiwanese, by the way. Taiwanese, yes. And then uh, also watched for the first time, I saw the devil, uh, which mm-hmm. I, was I, I also like couldn't stop thinking about this movie. I loved it. It was so great. Yeah, this is a uh, Kim Ji Woon's uh, movie about. Uh, Serial killers, a serial killer. Yeah, like a serial uh, killer and like the person that is like trying to chase after him and get revenge because the serial killer like killed his fiance. Yes. Um, And it's like, it's funny. It's super fucking dark. Really dark. It's like really emotional at times Mm -hmm. too. Like that ending actually really got me. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Like fucking amazing. Yeah. I'm so glad we watched it. I had seen this movie years ago and it was so disturbing that I kind of hated it. I just, for something about what it, wherever I was in my life the first time I saw it, I was like, this is too, there's too brutal. It's too disturbing. Rewatching yep. it, 
it's not that that's not true, but it's a truly great movie. Yeah. It's one of the craziest cat and mouse stories I've ever seen. And that's how I felt about Old Boy. And now this this movie has made me be like, I need to sit down and watch Old Boy again yeah. and give it like a proper chance, especially like now that I know. Like, that was before I even, like, Tar that I saw yeah. Old Boy. Um, so, like, now I'm like, okay, I just need to sit down and give this movie another chance. Yeah, and actually the star of Old Boy is in this movie. He plays yes. the, um, uh, the serial killer. And he's chilling. Yeah, uh, terrifying in this movie. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I mean, if you've seen Old Boy, it is, when Tori describes this movie as funny, it's funny in the way that Old Boy is funny, where it's like, it's funny, but if you've got a, if you're able to run with a pretty <laughs> twisted sense of humor about yeah, things, like you know? Yeah, like, it's dark as fuck, yeah, but yeah. it's so funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, cool. So now that we're all pumped up after talking about these amazing movies, let's talk about Sharon An amazing Stone, woman. Who, yeah, fully in love with. Um, she has been, she has 149 acting credits, according to IMDb, and 17 producer credits. Hell yeah. So she, yeah, it was, it was interesting how much she's produced. I was actually surprised by that. Yeah, she was making her own moves for a little while, which is, I mean... Not just awesome, but for a woman in Hollywood, like an actress movie yeah. star, to be able to make her own moves like that is incredible. Um, so I could not choose, which is why there are four separate quotes here from Give her because they're all amazing. Yeah, because she rocks. Um, she said one. This was her talking about the benefits of being famous, and she said, "I find I get to torture a higher class of men." <laughs> Fucking amazing. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, if you have a vagina and an attitude in this town, that then that's a lethal combination. Oh, interesting. I I wonder wh if she means that actually in like sort of a negative way, right? That like it's lethal. It's like no nobody <laughs> nobody likes that. I mean, we we'll, we will talk about this because yeah. that is like I think very intricate to her personality as we yeah. talk about just her um, in general. Um, <laughs> women might be able to fake orgasms, but men can fake whole relationships. <laughs> 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 Fucking great. Yeah. Um, and then she she has this quote too: playing a tough woman on screen while going through an incredible amount of trauma abuse and general issues with being a woman in Hollywood um, just like talking about like how um, she has gone through like a ton of shit some of which like I don't even think I probably won't even talk about this because it sounds like she's like gone through like in her childhood some crazy mm -hmm. stuff she okay. wrote a memoir like not too far back mm -hmm. um, and yeah, she she has been through so much shit in her life and yeah. she is like the baddest bitch yeah yeah um, she was born uh, March 10th, uh, 1959 in Meadville, Pennsylvania. I did oh not gosh. know she was from PA. I mean, many years apart, but, uh, you know, it's uh, pretty close to my birthday and uh, somewhere in, in my home state. Yeah, I, it was like, I don't know where Meadville is, but um, she came from a working class family. Um, she was really close with her dad, who encouraged her to explore a lot of her interests, like kind of really, really like, take up space in the world from interviews I found. And also it was like, one of her inspirations behind a lot of her philanthropic efforts that she's like really heavily involved in now. Um, she went to N Edinburgh State University of Pennsylvania and graduated with a degree in creative writing and fine arts. Um, she went to college when she was 15 because she has an IQ of 154. Um, so she's like insanely smart. Um, she was a huge bookworm and she, uh, was like going to become a lawyer that was like i was like oh of course she's also like this genius woman on top of everything else yeah um however her first love was black and white movies especially those with like fred astaire uh so 17 year old sharon um 
went to a beauty contest and I think that's what really like solidified her mm. kind of getting into um the this kind of work um, like perfor- performing in some way yeah, yeah she like went from working part-time at McDonald's to working her way up to becoming a Ford model um and did like both TV and uh print ads okay um, that makes sense to me that she starts as like a like a commercial girl a, a yeah. model and an advertisement and one of her first uh credits was just like uh I forget what it was called, like Broadway Live or something. And she was just like a background person in Greece on Broadway. Okay. So like, sure. just like kind of like in the background there. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, a, a, a beautiful face, a beautiful person to yep. be like on stage, on ads, yeah. you know. Um, Which like before I feel like I watched uh, Basic Instinct, I, like Sharon Stone was just like that kind of person that I just like knew of. Like I knew Sharon Stone because I grew up in the 90s. And yep. That was like a name you knew growing yep. up in the 90s. But I didn't necessarily know anything else about her right even like didn't even think about like her as being this like absolutely stunning human being and then like after watching basic instinct i was like oh no like you're like you're everything yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) um so her roles in the 80s uh for tv she was on an episode of magnum pi um one of her first uh film roles was a movie from 1980 called stardust memories uh which was a woody allen film starlet starring charlotte rampling and jessica Harper, Harper oh. uh, which was interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I don't know that I'm ever going to watch a Woody Allen film again in my life, but I like that cast. Yeah. Um, and then in 1981, she was in Deadly Blessing, which is a made made for TV Wes Craven movie. Yes. Um, she. So this was like very early in her career. Um, yeah, I honestly, I kind of forgot that she was in I honestly forgot that we watched this and that she was in it. It's it's funny that you forget we watched it because this was like a legitimately wild movie. Yeah. Like, w- I mean, we both love Craven. Yep. Um, yeah. I'm re- I'm now I'm, I'm like remembering the details now that we're talking about it. And it's it. like a culty movie. It's yeah. kind of, it's essentially seems like it's about like, um, like Mennonites or, um, why am I forgetting the other big one that's in PA? Amish. Amish. Yes. Um, so it is like one of these, like, you know, really small communities that's cut off from society. Um, but then there's also like all of this sinister stuff going on in the background. Um, and Sharon Stone plays like one of the best friends of like the lead actress. Okay. That's what I was trying to remember. She's not actually like the lead of this movie. She's just like, and she's not even like the co-star of this movie, but she's legitimately good in it, which is also what I thought also very interesting was like, I'm like, oh, it's weird that she's not the star. Not realizing that this was one of her first roles. Um, And then, but like, she's also... um, She's also like the face of the cover because mm-hmm. she has right. that scene, which is fucking disgusting because I hate spiders and there's so <laughs> many spiders in this movie. Um, but there is a scene where like a spider goes into her mouth. Um, and it, I didn't even put the notes in here, but there is a note about that scene and some of the shit that happened in it. I think they had to like remove like the teeth of the spider for her to agree to do it. Ugh. But like everything about it like made me want to vomit. Yeah, so I yeah. did not put that note in here. Crazy. Um, but one thing I did think was interesting was that she had her acting coach present on set throughout the shoot of the film like she was that early in her career where it seems like she's still like kind of like you know trying to like get her bearings and figure out like you know kind of what her voice i guess like who am i on screen yeah exactly i I don't know if have you ever acted like for camera before and like watched yourself no it's so fucking weird it's so weird. The moment somebody puts a camera on you, you feel weird. You start doing things you wouldn't normally do. And then when you're watching yourself, 
you're seeing all this stuff that you're doing and you're remembering the things that you did on purpose and going like, why did I do that? And then also seeing things that you're like, I didn't even know I was doing that. So like the idea of being an actor, like a screen actor is like fucking weird to some mm, extent. You have to figure out like, who are you like on camera when mm. you're blown up a hundred feet on the silver screen? Like, what do you, what do you look like? What do you do? How are you perceived? Like, and I think that must be like, I think there are some actors that never watch themselves because yeah. of that. Right. Like they, I think they feel like they would, they wouldn't know what to do. Mm. It, like, on the day when they need to act, if they knew what it actually looked like later, you know? Weird. And other people, I think, like, I think Tom Cruise is a person that, like, knows exactly what he looks like on screen, has, like, studied himself Mm -hmm. on screen, and knows, like, how to wield himself and his face, you know? And so, I I think that it is, like, finding out who you are on screen, I think is, like, a huge part of becoming a movie star. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Um, This movie, I don't know if you remember, too, had, like, uh, a lot of different allusions to other horror movies that I thought a lot about, but it also has like a um, bathtub scene very similar to the one that he then uses in Nightmare on Elm Street, which I think is like very funny that like he's like playing with some of that stuff. And then we get to see, I guess, like the more iconic version of that a couple years later. Yeah, he straight up rips himself off in, yeah. in Nightmare on Elm Street. There's um, also like an like a drag me to hell like ending yes. uh, too. That's really wild. It's really, and it's like kind of a problematic ending too, if I remember like exactly like who the characters are and like what, like what is perpetrated there in those those final moments? There's... Yeah, like weird. Weirdly, I can't remember some of the character stuff that okay, way. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, yeah. But but it's just like uh, what I remember about this movie is that like all of the scare scenes are like fucking incredible. It's like Wes Craven is working on figuring out like how to build a scare scene. Yeah, and that uh, all of them are really good. Like yeah. all the scare scenes just rock in this, yeah. and that the rest of the movie can be like sleepy and meandering and. But every time it hits, it hits fucking hard. And, and yeah. it's like kind of fun in that way. There's like shockingly good stuff in this movie. Yeah. It's definitely worth like a watch yeah. if you're a Craven fan. Um, in 84, she is in another TV movie called The Vegas Strip War, uh, starring Rock Hudson and James Earl Jones. Oh, okay. Um, which I put that in here too, because I think like she became pretty close with the Rock Hudson, which I thought oh, was kind of interesting. That is interesting. Um, and then in 85, she was in this movie called King Solomon's Minds. I- I've always wanted to see this. Okay. I didn't know what this movie uh-huh. was, but it's like a Indiana Jones ripoff. Yeah. And I think there's that. I think this is. Part of a series. I think there's like a few yes. of this character. So the star is a guy named Richard Chamberlain, uh-huh. who was the star of The Last Wave, which yep. I know you... I watched like part of it with you, which was, I thought was very cool, but you watched the whole thing. Peter Weir movie that is yeah. fantastic. People should look it up. The Last Wave. Um, and so I think she is like the like love interest sidekick character of this. Mm-hmm. And then the next year is in the sequel called Alan Quartermain mm-hmm. and the Lost City of Gold, again with James Earl Jones. And this was also a Canon Films movie, which yes. makes a lot of sense to Got me. It. Yes, and that's right. It's Alan Quartermain is this yeah. character that that is just an Indiana Jones like cipher. So interesting, yeah. but it also says it's like based on a book. So I'm like, it's like a chicken or like what came first? Like I don't. I, I think that it uh, he is one of the classic serial characters mm, that Indiana okay. Jones is kind of like loosely based on. You know what I mean? That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, she's then in Police Academy Four. Kind of always forget how many Police Academy movies there yeah, are because I, like I haven't s- seen any, I don't think. There's like seven of them. I definitely saw pieces of a bunch of them on TV. Comedy Central ran them all the time. Mm. Um, and then in 87, she's in a movie called Cold Steel starring Jonathan Banks, who uh, is from ba- Breaking Bad. Yeah, 
Love Jonathan Banks. Um, on Christmas Eve, Johnny Modine's family is murdered by a psycho cutthroat. The okay. cop swears bloody revenge, though he's taken off the case. He doesn't suspect yet that he's also targeted in a bi- diabolical plan of revenge. What the? F- okay, that actually sounds cool. Yeah, I mean, it's like all those like words I love, you know, yep, yep. bloody revenge, diabolical plan. I'm like, cool. Yep. Uh, then in '88, she is in Action Jack, Action Jackson, starring Carl Weathers. Yeah, this is like an '80s action movie that uh, people have said is like kind of a cult yeah. classic. And then a movie called Above the Law, which we talked about because it is a Steven Seagal movie in which Pam Greer is one of the stars. Yep. Uh, which you know, like every Steven Seagal movie, it's about like it's like a Vietnam vet who's working uh-huh. as a cop or like an undercover agent or something. Like all of these are the same movie. Yep. Um. I was, uh, yeah, I, I would be interested to see that. I, I think some of those Steven Seagal movies from like the 80s and 90s are like sort of interesting, even though he's like we a watched, total weirdo. Yeah, we watched that one that was pretty, was like, co- there was like fun stuff in it, but it is very obvious to me that like there's like certain brands of like these cheesy movies that really work for me, and like specifically like Seagal and, um, uh, what's the other like redneck one? Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris. There we go. Like those are not like my kind yeah. of action guys. Like I much prefer. Um, I'm gonna Van Damme and Stallone. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Stallone and Van Damme. I'm like totally on board with. Yeah. And like Schwarzenegger yeah. too. The, like the softies, the ones that have like hearts or whatever. Yes. That's, I'm I'm very much with you. I I do think that I was listening to <laughs> this is dumb, but I was listening to like John Gabrus talk about Steven Seagal mm. on a podcast recently, and he was saying that like at one point though, like in at one point in the '80s. If you look at it in a vacuum, Steven Seagal is actually like the progressive one of these guys because all so of all of his movies are about like environmentalism and like <laughs> like like treating our veterans better. They're like his movies are like about these things that like in his time were these like even today would be considered like kind of progressive yeah. things. But he obviously has become full on like deep state psychopath yeah. like in the in the years since. Or whatever. I mean, that's what Rambo's about, though. Yep. It's like yep. homelessness, veterans, yep. like cops are terrible. Yep. It's like all of the things that yep. I love. Yeah. yeah. Uh, right. And then, you know, Stallone also sort of becomes a little bit of a, a psychopath yeah. as he gets older. Yeah. Too, I mean, yeah. you know, they're all probably psychopaths. Yeah, yeah. Let's be real. Yeah. Um, in 89, she is in a movie called Beyond the Stars uh, starring Martin Sheen and Christian Slater. Ooh. Both who I, like I love. Yeah. Um, Eric moves to his uh, with his dad in Oregon after accidentally firing a rocket into <laughs> his high school. He befriends Mara, a retired astronaut. <laughs> what? <laughs> Which is like you know you just like accidentally fire a rocket in your high school. Here's the thing: I do believe that Christian Slater would accidentally fire a rocket into yeah. his high school. Another one of like the perfect like babely babes in my mind. Like yes. love Christian Slater. Same. Same. Um. Then we get to her roles in the nineties. Uh, this she is was... our this is our Sharon bread and butter. Now. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, so she was in TV like Roseanne, which very funny to think of her in Roseanne. Yeah. Uh, and then in nineteen ninety, she gets to work with Paul Verhoeven for the first time in Total Recall, uh, which we've seen a couple times. Hell yeah! She uh, does. Speaking of Schwarzenegger, yes. as well as uh, Michael Ironside, uh-huh. who we have to do for the podcast at some point. Yes, he's, he's one like, of your favorites. One of my favorites. Yeah. I love Ironside. Um, um, and we had watched this movie like when we first started dating. I think you had seen it before, I've seen it but it was times. yeah, it was my first time watching it. Um, and probably like one of the first move like Verhoeven movies I watched, being like, I think I really am into Verhoeven. <laughs> um, 
And so, yeah, I loved this movie, but like I also we just rewatched it the other day because I didn't really think about it as a Sharon movie. Right. And I'm glad we did rewatch it because she is very good in this movie. She's really good in it. And she actually is in more of it than I remembered. Yes. I, I sort of always think about her as only being in the opening scene. Mm-hmm. But I forgot how frequently he sort of returns to her for different mm-hmm. reasons. Or at one point she comes to him then, too. Yeah, um, she goes to Mars yeah. and like is like, she come back that, with me. Well, she has that incredible incredible delivery when she comes to Mars and at one point kicks Schwarzenegger in the balls and when Schwarzenegger hits his knees she goes that's for that's for making me come to Mars you know how much I hate this fucking planet she's so funny she sells that so hard like she is great in this movie she's also like really good at being manipulative in this movie because she gets to play like the dual role like we talked about that how this movie is a lot of like dual roles and she gets to be like this is the super sexy bombshell wife and then she also gets to be like kind of like secret agent like badass um that like legitimately like fights Schwarzenegger. Oh, yeah. She has an incredible fight scene with Schwarzenegger where you believe that Sharon Stone could kind of take him in a fight. It's insane. And she, yeah, like she really holds her own and you, it's believable, which is wild. Yeah, it's what, it's one of those things where you go like, it shouldn't be believable and that's why she is way better than anybody gives her credit for. Like she, it is believable to me that Sharon Stone goes like one-on-one with, with, Arnold Schwarzenegger, who, by the way, Arnold Schwarzenegger in 1990, this is like this is like peak Arnold. He's like at one of his biggest, swollest points in his career, you know? Yeah, he's insane looking. Yeah. Um, she is so good in this movie. And, and yeah, I mean, the movie is the original like dream within a dream. And so you get like one of the things that is sort of fun about it is that like when you see the movie for the second or third time mm. and you sort of know that like everything may not be what it seems you realize that like a lot of the actors are actually playing sort of like both sides of their role mm. the whole time. And Sharon is the best at that in this movie. She is like the the best member of the cast in like, in those early scenes when she's just his wife, we know her as his wife, you actually can see that she's playing a little bit of the like, I'm actually just an actor here, like serving yeah. a role in his life. Before you know what's going on, like in the movie, yeah. um, there's this moment where she's just like, you know, he's leaving for work or whatever. And so she's like, you know, saying goodbye to him at the door and being a lovely wife. And then as soon as she walks away, her entire face drops yep. and in a way where you're just like, oh, like this is like like watching it a second time I'm like oh you're definitely playing a role yep. but I love how quickly it was just like it, I it was it's such a short like piece it's a, it's a very the uh Verhoeven cuts away from it very quick yeah too. like you wouldn't think about it otherwise yeah. but watching it this time I was like oh man she's just like nope I'm not acting anymore I'm not playing the wife <laughs> yeah and actually all throughout that scene she's basically trying to get him to stop thinking and talking about Mars yeah. um, and when you know the whole plot you realize that like that's not just like a wife who's sick of hearing her husband talk about this thing yeah there's like a plot reason that her character is trying to get him to stray away from those thoughts yep um and yeah so it's just like she is so fucking good in this movie in ways that again I don't think she really even gets credit for I think people mostly think of the scene where she ties her own hands up in her um, uh, uh, like the the spaghetti straps of her oh, yeah. like workout outfit that like that's like a picture on the internet that everybody loves of Sharon yeah. because it's like Sharon doing like a slightly kinky like sexy thing you yeah. know and I think that's like literally how people remember her in this movie but she is doing like such fucking great work yep 
It is funny, though, because you were talking about the uh, commentary with Schwarzenegger. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is one of the best commentary tracks like ever recorded. Verhoeven and Schwarzenegger clearly love each other. They loved working together. They're very funny together. But the funniest part of the commentary is that Schwarzenegger spends like 90% of it just describing what's happening as if you're not watching the movie with him to listen to the commentary track. And so through his through the whole opening scene, he's just going, yeah, yeah, this is the scene where I am kissing Sharon Stone. Yeah, oh, look, right here, we're kissing. See, kissing here, me, Sharon, kissing her. <laughs> Which it's like, fair enough. Like, yeah, I yeah. would also never shut up I would never stop Sharon talking Stone. about it if I got to kiss her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um... The year after she is in a movie called Scissors, which sounds really interesting, a woman trying to recover from a sexual attack is locked into in a posh apartment with a corpse of the very man she's been dreaming would murder her. Oh, my God. She tries to hang on to reality when objects around her seem to come to life. That sounds wild. Sounds wild. Really want to see it. Also sounds a little like, um, what, Gerald's Game and what's the um, Megan Fox one that we enjoyed? Oh, yes. Uh, Till Death. Till Death, yeah. 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 Um, yes, that's uh, an interesting comparison. Yeah. Um, after that, she's in a movie called Year of the Gun, directed by um, John Frankenheimer, who mm-hmm. was the director of Seconds, which I loved. Yeah, yeah. Um, and starring Andrew McCarthy, hey. uh, who we also love. Yeah, yeah. Um, two young Americans, uh, a journalist and a photojournalist, experience Red Brigade's terrorist uh, close, up, close up in Rome, 1978. I don't even know anything about that. Yeah, I don't either. So I guess it's, it's I mean, it sounds like it's based off a thing. But right, that sounds like real stuff to me. Yeah. Um, she's then in a movie called Diary of a Hitman, starring Sherilyn Fenn and Forrest Whitaker. Oh, okay. And then in a movie called Where, S- Where Sleeping Dogs Lie, starring with uh, Dylan McDermott. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, mur- a murder mystery writer misreads the nervous man he bullies in a spooky Hollywood mansion. What? I don't know what any of that uh, means. What? And I could not find a better description when I tried to look up this movie either. Yeah, gonna need to go what on that one? And then in 1992, Sharon Stone stars in Basic Instinct. Goddamn right she does one of the... uh, Genuinely, so like, I grew up on some Verhoeven movies. I saw Total Recall when I was pretty young and really Mm -hmm. enjoyed it. I saw RoboCop when I was pretty young and really enjoyed it. I'm a big Verhoeven fan, but in that like Starship Trooper, like in in the big American blockbuster movies he made way. I'm, you know, I am a a boy of the 90s. Like that's the Verhoeven I grew up on. I I don't think there was any part of me that thought I ever even wanted to see Basic Instinct. Yep. I don't think there was part of me that ever thought like even if I did see it I would like it better than yeah. these like these sort of like great action sci-fi epics of like my childhood. Yeah. I think Basic Instinct is the best movie Paul Verhoeven made by a fucking long mile yeah. and is like has like kind of crept up as like Maybe just one of my favorite movies. Yeah. And again, like, you know, like I was born in 1990. So this movie mm-hmm. came out when I was two. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it, you know, as I grew up in the 90s, definitely like heard of this and like knew of it, had seen like the like quintessential like leg cross scene, things like that. I weirdly remember people talking about the ice pick when yeah. I was in like elementary school, that that was yeah. like a detail that some kids knew well, about and talked about. I, I need to find it online. There was some, someone put out a special edition of uh, yeah, Basic yeah. Instinct where it came with an ice pick uh-huh. and I like need that. Um but yeah, like this was a movie that like, I don't know, I like didn't think about very much, didn't care for. I think there was probably there was a part of me that probably thought I was like too good to watch erotic thrillers, sure. which are now one of my favorite genres. Uh-huh. Um but also like the fucking creative team behind this. Like it's starring Sharon Stone, Michael Douglas, who like, you know, I I like Michael Douglas and things. I'm not like 
you know, a Douglas person per se, but yeah, yeah. like I like him as an actor. Yeah, like he's good in things that uh, the China Syndrome, like fucking Incredible amazing. Incredible movie. He's it's the only time I thought he was sexy <laughs> yeah, ever. Yeah. Um, but then you know, Paul Verhoeven is the director. Cinematography by Jan de Bont, Hell yeah. which like. You're like, why is Jan de Bont doing this movie? And then, like, you realize why. Yeah, yeah. Same thing with the, uh, we didn't understand why this was one of the credits at the top was that the, like, makeup was by Rob Bottin. And we're like, oh, the guy that did the thing. Why is that part of Basic Instinct? And then two minutes into the (laughs) movie, maybe less, you find out why. Um, And yeah, it's like got this amazing violent scene at the beginning and then has like a crazy car chase scene later, which is why you hire Jan de The car chase is amazing. There's (sighs) that like drug church that they go, that like rave at a drug church I'm talking about. Um, I I watched the commentary track on this at one uh, some point like a few months ago, and uh, Jan de Bont can't stop talking about how like he basically forced them to build ceilings on the sets, which you normally don't do because you do the way you're going to shoot things. You need to be able to like actually get pretty mm-hmm. high above the set. Uh, and he was like, so like, he was like, I just made them build ceilings on all the sets because you never see ceilings in movies. And I wanted to show you the ceiling. Like, cause Jan de Bont's like a madman. Yeah. He's nuts. But that's why this movie is so good. He, his madness is Fucking all over incredible. this movie. Um, yeah. Like this movie is like a five star movie for me. It's yeah, amazing. Me yeah. It's like perfect. Incredible movie. She is unbelievable. And in she, this movie. so, uh, Verhoeven wanted a bigger murky name mm-hmm. and I think, I think it said that they offered the role to 13 other women before giving it to Stone. Jesus. I, I literally can't imagine anyone else in in this. Well, like, still hasn't totally made a name for herself. Like, wasn't in anything big yet. Right, right. Um, but, like, I think there was also some stuff that I've read about, like, on set, like, him not thinking that she could do this, like, cold, calculating bitch. And I think when you realize, one, she's still, like relatively early in her career considering she hasn't made like a huge name for herself yet and then also like is not at all like Catherine Trammell like Mm -hmm. in any way Mm -hmm. um that like you're like oh I guess that kind of makes sense but like the first scene that she's in and like it's just her sitting on a dock smoking a cigarette she's in this like big fucking comfy looking sweater. sweater she's wearing and she's just very nonchalantly like talking about fucking some guy and like treating the police like they're fucking dopes yeah. and you're just like like I immediately like draw like my jaw dropped on the floor I was like this woman is fucking incredible yeah um, I cannot imagine anyone else doing this role no, no. she's I mean the the level of manipulative that this character is without it feeling like the stereotype of like the manipulative woman yeah. you know what I mean is like uh, un- I don't know that anybody else could have figured out how to like walk that line with it Catherine Trammell is I I think nature's like natural reaction and defense mechanism to like the patriarchy. Like <laughs> she is designed to be this apex predator that just cuts men down to size. And that is why she is my hero. Um, I wrote about her for my women who kill yeah. column. Um, she, yeah. Like she's insane in yeah. this movie. Yeah. Um, one thing that comes up a lot with this is that uh, the leg cross scene where you like, very clearly see her lady bits. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a lot of controversy about the scene um, between Verhoeven and Stone who disagree on how that scene came about. Right. Um, yeah, she you've says, told me about this before. Yeah, like she says she was unaware until a preview screening um, that she, that 
that scene was actually in the film. Um, and even though she was upset um, sh- that she wasn't consulted first, she was like, you know, that it's fine, like whatever. Um, Verhoeven still claims to this day that they had discussed doing this scene over dinner before the shoot and she was enthusiastic about it. Um, but like, despite all of this, somehow they have remained on good terms, even though they like both still to this day, like disagree on how this scene went down. Yeah. It's, it's hard to parse like what either of them even means, mm. because like, if you think about, you know, the way a movie is made or whatever, it almost sounds like, he thinks he told her, like, look, I am specifically going to get you, like, full frontal in the camera. Like, that, we're, that is what this camera move is about, is I'm passing yeah. in front of you as you move your legs, and we're going to capture you full front. And it almost seems like she maybe did not understand that, like, f- in full view, in the lens, yeah. like, that's what you are capturing. Yeah, and there's some, like, stories about how, like, um, she was initially wearing underwear, and then he told her that, like, there was a glare on the camera because of mm. the underwear she was wearing, mm. so she needed to take it off. Mm. Like, what, like, mm. and she was like, okay, but, like, still didn't necessarily realize that that was going on. Yeah, and yeah. so it's, like, to this day, like, neither of them has really, like, let up, but it, I was interested that they both, like, seemed to be on good terms, um, which... Yeah. There's also, like, I think a little bit of a story there later, too. Um, another part of this I love is that I think Michael Douglas is just, like, a total schmuck through and through. Yeah. Um, and I don't necessarily know if that was, like, the read of it when it was written. But, like, to me, that is, like, I can't think of him as anything else. But it even works because uh, Douglas declined to go full frontal in the film <laughs> and would not let his character be bisexual um, <laughs> like Stone's character is. Yep. And so, like, both of those things make it work even better because, like, she is just destroying this guy that thinks he is, like, the toughest shit. Like, he is, like, this cool cop that, like, can handle anything that comes his way. And she is just immediately like, yeah, okay, I'm going to manipulate the fuck out of you. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to, like, like discredit uh michael douglas right like he i'm sure whatever he could be a smart guy that that gets this or whatever right but it really does seem like he does not understand that his character is like a a schmuck it's or or doesn't understand it in the full complete way that this movie is using him Mm -hmm. as a schmuck you know what i mean um yeah and i think she and douglas have like become pretty good friends and he always speaks like very highly of her and seems to again be someone that's just like in awe of sharon stone he's like oh she's gorgeous she's smart like she does all this philanthropic stuff so he's like yeah like i'm sure people give her like tons of money just to like be close to Sharon like (laughs) that makes total sense to me I I bet uh because he I I believe I understand like struggled a little bit early in his career and had Mm. to start producing his own movies to even get into movies and stuff I bet he I'm sure they relate to some extent on Mm. like how their careers had to you know they had to be like these self-made actors you know yeah um she also says in regards to the leg cross scene, at least it proves I'm a natural blonde, <laughs> which I think is very funny. I also found like an uh, an op-ed that she did like just on her character. I think it was for Variety. Like mm. she just talked about like this role and how it affected her. And she was, you talked about like, I am like nothing like this character, but um she was said that because of this character, she vowed to be this character from now on. I would be less weak on the outside, less available to be eaten alive, which yeah. I think it's interesting that she like did take something from Trammell's character and was just like, Oh yeah, like this is a person I would like to be. Um, 
Because she also says that, like, when this came out, the audience loved it. Critics hated it. Yeah. Um, and she had an interesting quote, which was like, what is a critic? Someone who sees a movie for free and tells you what they think. What is an audience? Someone who tells you how the movie makes them feel. That's interesting. Um, which, like, you know, as critics, I think, like, and have, like, written as critics, I was like, oh, that is so interesting because I feel like that's something that I have, like, not strayed away from too much is, like, I do typically talk about how the movie makes me feel because I often think that is like sometimes more important than what I think about what's going on. And I feel like instinct, basic instinct is definitely like one of those types of movies. Mm -hmm. Um, And then in 93, she was in the movie Sliver uh, co-starring with, uh, which Baldwin is it? William. William. That's it. William Baldwin. Um, so another erotic thriller that is based on a book that was written by, um, the same person that wrote Rosemary's Baby. I forget his name. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I can't think of it. But yeah, this, uh, this is a really weird movie. It's a really weird movie. <laughs> it was pretty enjoyable. It's cause this movie's like for like a while, this movie's crazy. Yes. It's like for a while you're like, what the fuck is even going yeah. on? And as you start sort of putting some pieces together, you're like, okay, I kind of, I'm, I'm getting excited about like where this is going, what this is doing. And then like, it's not like the wheels come off, but like it starts to just kind of meander around. And then you're not exactly sure like what it's about anymore. And then the movie is just fucking over and that's it. It's so strange. And it, it does this thing and I kind of get it because I feel like some movies like pigeonhole themselves where they're trying so hard for you to not be able to guess who the killer is. Right. Like there's, I think like two main suspects yeah. that you like really expect. But like because of that, no ending is going to be really satisfying okay. in that way. Like no matter who the actual killer is, you're going to be like, yeah. Like <laughs> you yeah, gave yeah. us so many reasons to think it was like X person, yeah, yeah. Um, which apparently uh, they, I think filmed like a few different, uh, oh, the original script called for a different ending uh, with a different killer, uh, but they reshot it when that ending uh, did poorly with test audiences, okay. which I find very interesting. And so they just switched it to the other person that you yes. suspect mainly. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, also, apparently Sharon Stone and William Baldwin disliked each other and demanded <laughs> that their scenes be filmed separate whenever Ooh, possible. What? Interesting considering they fuck uh, and are yep. like together in this movie a lot. Yep. Uh, while filming a kiss scene, Sharon Stone bit William Baldwin's tongue with such force that he couldn't talk properly <laughs> for days after. Another reason I just love the fuck out of this woman. Yeah, I mean, it's like, <laughs> what the fuck did you do, William Baldwin? I'm sure you did something to deserve that. Yeah, and I feel like there's a several stories like this where I'm just like, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, these are shitty men who are clearly dealing with someone that is just, like, not going to put up with their bullshit. Yeah. I, I mean, the thing about this movie is that its legacy is sort of just that it came out after Basic Instinct yes. and was kind of like, oh, my God, Sharon Stone's back in another one of these, like, sexy thrillers. Yep. And then it just 
is a shitty movie <laughs> that nobody remembers for anything other than the fact that Sharon is way more naked in this one than she is even in Basic Instinct. And, like, she is good. There is, like, really interesting, like, unhinged stuff oh, going yeah. on in this movie. Oh, yeah. But, like, it's not, yeah, it's not good. No. <laughs> and, and, you know, I think, unfortunately, it's just like a, a Mr. Skin type movie, right? It's yeah. just like, well, she gets really naked in it, so if you want to see Sharon Stone naked, for watch sure. Sliver. Otherwise, why see that movie? It's also, like, because it's like you know this there is like this killer that is like going after women that like look like Sharon Stone all of the men because you're like kind of supposed to suspect everyone like every guy in this movie is creepy as fuck Uh and they're like all trying to get with her and you're watching it the whole time like why would she be interested in any of them oh yeah I mean that is all horrendous that is the main problem with this movie is that you're there there, you don't believe that this character would be interested in any of these men you know it's insane yeah like not that I don't believe Catherine Trammell would be interested in um what is his name? Nick? Yes. Uh, I do believe she'd be interested in Nick. But also that character has an extra layer of motivation for like why she's interested in these yeah, men. Yeah, 100%. That's not true in Sliver. And so it yeah. just it like never really makes sense. Yeah. No, I think that's a really good point too. Um, yeah, because her character is very, very different than Tramel. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. After this, she has a bit role in Last Action Hero, which we've talked about on the show before. Um, but it's because... I was like confused because she was credited as Catherine Trammell and I was like, what the fuck? So Sharon Stone and Robert Patrick appear outside the front of the LAPD uh, station and she's supposed to, like she's in the outfit of Catherine right. Trammell and he is uh, the, the T-1000 T-1, yeah. outfit, right? Yeah. Which I was like, that's very yeah. weird and interesting. And like, you know, they both worked with Schwarzenegger. Exactly. So. And that's just Schwarzenegger pulling his weight, right? Like Last Action Hero is a fun sort of mm-hmm. uh, self-referential movies within movies movie, yeah. you know? And so that's just Schwarzenegger pulling his weight, calling in favors, being like, let me get my friend. You saw me kissing her in that other movie. He's like Sharon. Yeah, let me get her in this movie. Uh, you know. Um, after that, she is in a movie called The Specialist, uh, starring with Sylvester Stallone and James Woods. Hey, would watch. You just uh, named three actors that I like, even though I hate uh, two of them probably personally. Yeah, it's about a woman entices a bomb expert she's involved with into destroying the mafia that killed her family. <laughs> okay. This is another movie that Sharon worked on and clearly had issues uh, with some of the people on set. Um And so I believe this is a quote from Stallone in regards to this. He goes, okay, let it be known. I didn't want to do this scene because Sharon was not cooperating. Um, And he's talking specifically about a shower scene they were supposed to do together. Um, We get to the set and she decides not to take her robe off. The director asks only a few of the crew to remain and she still won't take it off. I promised her I wouldn't take any liberties. So what's the problem? She said, I'm just saying of nudity i asked her if she could get sick of it on on someone else's set which i just think is a funny (laughs) line uh she was having none of it so i went down to my trailer brought back a bottle of black death vodka that was given to me by michael (laughs) douglas and after a half a dozen shots we were wet and wild (laughs) oh my god fucking crazy that is a crazy story i mean that is such a crazy story because it is so funny that Stallone thinks he, I assume, is talking about this because he thinks he's explaining, like, that actually it wasn't, like, 
it's not so bad or whatever, but it's yeah. like, no, what you're explaining is you got a woman drunk so that you could like get yes. her naked. And it seems like she's had this problem with like nudity on set right. with like multiple like creatives. Yeah. And so it's like, I, it seems to me that she is someone that like, you know, in that quote too, it's like, she's like, you know, you have a vagina and an attitude and that's definitely what's going on with her. And yep. people are like, Sharon Stone is hot. We want to see her like naked all yep. the time. And she's like, fuck you guys. Yep. And, and you know, I, I would expect, I would hope anyway, that she's agreeing to do these movies knowing that they require nudity, but the problem is getting to set and finding out like, oh, but we're going to keep all 100 crew members here to like watch you get, you know, like not actually yeah. appropriately trying to handle those scenes within the confines of like what she's comfortable with. And that's the thing too, like, you know, so many, you know, women get treated terribly all the time yeah. for a lot of different things, yeah. but like, you know, a lot of like stuff in Hollywood, especially like we hear these stories and it's like, yeah, like what are they doing to make these women feel safe right. while they're actually right. doing these Yeah, that's scenes? the thing. And I, that is the thing, right? It's like, it's yeah. one thing to go like, hey, we told you up front. It's another thing to like, yeah, sure, but you still, I still need to be and yeah. feel safe yeah. in the midst of that. Yeah, like I think about Barbara Crampton who does that wild scene in Reanimator yep. yep. where there is literally, literally like a decapitated head that is about to eat her out. Right. And she talks about being completely comfortable because right. like everyone on set was so nice and yeah. Stuart Gordon made her feel right. safe and all this stuff. And so it's like, yeah, it's like really all about creating yep. an atmosphere where someone feels okay yep. like doing these things. And yep. if you're going to act a certain way, it's like, yeah, I don't blame them for being mm -hmm. like, I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and I mean I I don't know a whole lot about Stallone, but I don't see him as somebody that uh creating would be, a like yeah. fostering a like yeah. warm, yeah. safe environment. No. no. <laughs> I don't think so. Probably not. Um and then in 1995 she is in The Quick and the Dead, which is one of the movies that she helped produce. Yes. Um I, this is also was directed by Sam Raimi. Yes. Um, I did not really care about seeing this movie initially because it is a Western, mm -hmm. but it is a Western that stars Sharon Stone mm -hmm. and is directed by Sam Raimi. Mm -hmm. And it was incredible. Like she, she is the lead in it. Like yep. this is all her story and like, very quintessential, like, at least from what I know of, like, Western kind of setup where, like, she is this, like, cowboy character rolling into town and has this, like, vengeance kind of plot that mm -hmm. she's, like, you know, trying to enact. Mm -hmm. um, and so she gets to play a quintessential, like, cowboy character she's and is incredible. doing Clint Eastwood in this movie. Yeah. She's doing the, like, quiet, says very few words. Yeah. A lot of stern looks, a lot of squinty eyes. Well, also giving her character like the gravity to be like she she is doing this because she was traumatized as a child, and like this person that she's after like killed her family, and so she gets to also be emotional while still being a cold, cool bitch. Like the most incredible thing about this movie to me is her performance. Yeah, and it's the way that because the movie does not reveal to you why she's doing what she's doing until really it's final minutes. Yep. It's like the last scene in the movie that reveals to you why she's doing what she's doing. And so when you see it like a second time, a lot of these performance things stand out more. Mm -hmm. But she is doing this incredible thing where she is doing Clint Eastwood and doing it well yeah. in a way that should not work, in a way that should be cheesy, in a way that you should go like, okay, it's a, it's like a lady trying to do Clint Eastwood. Yeah. Like why even, try, what is, does it even make sense? Why even do that? She's doing it, it's working. But then every time... Gene Hackman enters a scene, 
she fully breaks and has like a, a visible yeah. panic yeah, attack. Yeah, like a trauma response. She, yes, yeah. she has like she has visible trauma responses to his presence. Yeah. And when you know the full story, that she is able to achieve like both the trauma response without that undermining the sort of like actual badass cowboy character that she also is. Yeah. That is incredible. Yeah. That is an incredible performance feat. It, it reminds me, we watched it re- recently, that movie Villainess, which uh-huh. I thought also did a really interesting similar thing where it's like a cold-blooded killer and we get to see her do all this cool action stuff, but she's also like a mother that's had this really sad like backstory. Yeah. And you, like it's it's interesting that like, seeing these movies where they like let those characters be all of those things and hold all that space, like actually giving them like dimensions. Um, and it works really well and is like super effective, like Mm -hmm. in, in these stories. Yeah, I agree. I love this movie. I mean, this might be one of like, it's might even be like, uh, 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 what's the word for it? Blasphemy to say, but like this might be my favorite Sam Raimi movie. Mm. I think this movie's terrific. I love what he's doing with his camera in this yeah. movie. All his crazy active camera stuff works so well in this. Which we also talked about this movie in one of our Keith David episodes because mm-hmm. he's like he's has ter- has a really funny kind of like flamboyant terrific role. in a small role in this. Yeah. Um, but I also think, and I know you've told me a little bit about like some of the behind the scenes stuff, but I also read some of it too. I th- really think this movie is as good as it is because Sharon Stone had so much weight behind her, like off screen. Yeah. Uh, if if anybody is curious, there's a podcast we really like called Blank Check. They've been covering Sam Raimi recently, and um, their episode on this movie is terrific. And you can hear a lot about like how involved um, Sharon was mm-hmm. in getting this movie made. She like handpicks some of the cast. She basically is how Raimi gets on this movie. Like this movie doesn't happen with Sam Raimi as the director. Is it not for Sharon Stone loving Army of Darkness and being like, I have the power to make my own movie. That's who I want to direct it. Which also not going to lie, that makes me love her even more because I love Army of Darkness. I saw it before all of the Evil Dead movies. Like, I think it's great. Um, Yeah, like Leonardo DiCaprio was in it because uh, she paid his salary personally uh, because she wanted him to be in this movie so badly. He was a rising star already but the studio like yep. wasn't ready to give him like this kind of because it's a huge ensemble cast. Yep. And she was like, I know, I think he's got the goods. He's and, and he is perfect he's for this great. role. He's terrific. Um he really holds his own. Um I thought this was cute. Sharon Stone bought the horse magic after the movie was over. Oh, she said, I've cute. been riding horses all my life, but never on such a fine horse as this. Oh, that's like, wonderful. Oh my God. Yeah, and I believe like one of her philanthropic things is animal related, yes. right? Yeah. Um she also said that Russell Crowe was one of her favorite on-screen kisses. Uh, she yeah. didn't feel the same about DiCaprio saying it was about as sexy as kissing my arm. <laughs> <laughs> That's super funny. She's great. Yeah. Um, and then after that, she's in Casino, which we also just watched the yes. other day. She was nominated for an Oscar in, in her role for Casino, and then I believe won the Golden Globe for her Got performance. It. Yeah, so this is an interesting one where I did really like this movie, by the way. I had never seen it before, and mm-hmm. I thought it was really good. Yeah. Um, but this is an interesting one where you and I were talking about it a little bit where it's like, for one thing, you know, this is a classic like Scorsese woman in a movie where it's like, I don't think this character is treated that well. I mean, it's a movie about bad people and she's just one of the bad people. You and I have talked about this a little bit. 
it should be okay for people to be bad in movies. Movies should be about yeah. bad people, blah, blah, blah. But I don't know that this movie treats her particularly well. To some extent, you could say it like really like blames her in a lot of ways. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, she's great in it. But she's terrific in it. I think like, she- terrific in it. Yeah, like she's she's amazing. She gives like a tons of her performance. I, uh, I'm i pretty sure Scorsese like spoke really highly of her in this role sure too. I'm sure yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like, she gets introduced as this like carefree, like money hungry fucking babe that has all these connections. And then like immediately after that, she's like obsessed with her like old pimp boyfriend that she knew when she was a kid. Well, that's and that's like a really essential part of like her story throughout the film. And it just like, it makes me be like, oh man, like, but you're so fucking cool. And like, you know, cool ladies get hung up on like piece of shit men yeah, all the yeah. time. But like, it's just, it's one of those things where I'm like, oh man, like you're my hero. Like, and, and he's played by James Woods. So you're yeah, just like, yeah, yeah. ew, please don't be obsessed with at, James Woods. At least the, <laughs> I love that this is yet another movie where the director is casting James Woods as James yeah, Woods. Yeah, just though. to be a yeah. piece of shit. Yeah. Yep. Um, but uh, what is interesting to me is that she gets the Oscar nomination for this and wins the Golden Globe for this where, and this is no disrespect to her performance in this movie, which I truly do think is like great. And not that yeah. it's not e award worthy either, but it feels to me like um, Hollywood catching up with an actress that actually did the work they should have been nominated for yeah. a few years before and has done, continued to do such good work since then yes. that now they're getting nominated. Yeah. I mean, it's, Honestly, I think her performance as Catherine Tramiel yeah. is like one of the best things I've ever seen. Like yeah, she's fucking that's amazing. That's what she should have got. I mean, um, she should have been nominated and won an, an Academy Award. For that and movie. she's great. Like again, great in Casino. Yeah, like she does is. so much good work. I think even like gives gives like the Scorsese female lead. Like in general, like that type, she like brings much more to it than I think like other women have oh, yeah. been able to. There's a lot to. of dimension to this character. Um, but but it's also, it's the thing of like, of course this is the one she got nominated for, right? It's the kind of yeah. performance we nominate women for where she's at some point having like a, a screaming breakdown yeah. on screen. And uh, uh, it has something to do with her motherhood that like, yeah. you, you know, that she's giving like monologues about or whatever. Like it's just the kind of thing that we nominate women for in yeah. Hollywood where Tramiel is not and it should be, you know, like. Well, and it's interesting when, when we first talked about doing Sharon for the podcast, I was like, can we do Sharon? Like, is she really a right. B-movie star? I think she is. I think it's like, she's similar to Bill Paxton where it's like, yep. she's got the name recognition because yep. of like, you know, specific she roles. Made the Scorsese movie and got nominated. Yeah, but like also a lot of what she has done is actually B-movies. Yeah. But it's interesting too because like she is so good in this and in so many other things but like never quite got to like I guess like the Hollywood like prestige level that I would think that she should be at because like she is such a tremendous fucking actress that it's like crazy she hasn't had like more, more roles or like more um, the ability to work with more directors like this yeah. just considering how good she is i know and, and i think it's like for you and i our purposes for the show it's like you know she qualifies for the show on things like basic instinct yeah. and the quick and the dead even though those are hollywood productions they're not like b movies in the classic sense of them they're like these, genre these flicks are genre and, yeah. B picture type movies yeah um, frankly, you could even argue that like Casino is to some extent, except that for some reason in American cinema, gangster movies are like a cinema as opposed to B genre pictures. I mean, we talked about this recently where like so these movies can be so violent sometimes yeah. that it like blows my mind 
that Hollywood does not hold horror up to that standard or that people like are like, oh, I don't like horror, but then they'll watch like these like scenes like this yeah. where like Joe Pesci literally like stabs a guy in the neck, like in throat, like a thousand yeah. times, like 15 minutes into yeah. the movie. And you're just like, what the fuck? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm and it's just, it's fascinating to me. Like what genre stuff is considered prestige and then like what isn't. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Everybody's parents have seen Casino, but for some reason won't watch a horror movie. Yes, exactly. Um, And then after that, she does the remake of Diabolique, which we talked about for our Isabella Johnny episode Mm -hmm. a while back, um, which I know I talked about how much I really loved this movie. And she has this quote where she says, the original is and will remain a classic. Ours is a funny, campy, one box of popcorn thriller, <laughs> which is a great way to describe it. it. Is. But like, I and think that is people... a little bit what they do with it, right? Like they sort of yeah. take the twists and turns of that and put them in a blender to make them even more twisty. And, and it's turning. got like a girl power, yeah. like fucking spin to it, yep. which makes Sharon Stone, uh, a Johnny, and uh, Kathy Bates like perfect yep. to be like yep. the the three main characters yes, the, like, in the this. Trio, yeah. Um, but like I and I think you know because the original is held in such high regard that people are just like, oh, this one is trash. I think this movie is like really fucking fun. I really enjoyed this movie. She's great. She is good. Um, but like, you know, because of that, people are just like, oh no, this is like a garbage version of this yeah, movie. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, it's definitely campy, but it, but it is fun. You know? So good. Um, in 98, she is in Sphere with Dustin Hoffman and Samuel L. Jackson. We've got to watch this at some point. I've never seen it. It's based on a Michael Crichton book. Yeah. It's like a bad 90s sci-fi movie. I would really like to yeah, see it. Yeah, it could be fun. You know what it's about? It's about a sphere at the bottom of the ocean that makes your greatest fears come true. Oh, okay. Weird. Yeah. yeah, based on the description I had, it doesn't say any of that, but that sounds interesting. Yeah. Um, she's then in the movie Ants. She's one of oh. the lead voices, which I've seen that movie a lot for some reason. Also a Stallone movie, right? Oh, Stallone is right? in that Isn't movie. Stallone and it's um and Woody Allen too. There's like a bunch of weird people. Yeah, in this movie. yeah. Um but yeah, she's like one of the lead like yeah, okay. voices. That's interesting. I'd like to hear her as a voice actress. I saw this in theaters, so I, I have heard her as a voice actress, but yeah. I'd like to hear her knowing it's Sharon Stone as a voice actress. It's funny because I remember seeing this as a kid and then watching this in high school after I had like learned about stuff. And I was like, oh, this movie's about communism. Like, this <laughs> is like, this is the like Marx, like communist revolution yeah. in ant form. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and like, not that far away from when A Bug's Life came right. out either. Yeah. So those movies always get so like funny. attached to each yeah. other. Um, and then in 1999, she is in a movie called Gloria, um, which I think she's like, uh, she's like a woman that gets out of the prison and like kind of takes care of this, uh, little kid. Um, mm. so I'm like, mm. yeah, it like, I was like, maybe this would be good. I feel like I did not get great reviews from what I could see. Yeah. Um, She's then in a movie called Simpatico with Nick Nolte and Jeff Bridges. That's a cast. I'm into it. Um, After a scam at horse races, making lots of money, three young people split. Uh, 20 years later, one of them, a drunk, creates chaos with photos from back then. Oh, it's like a blackmail movie. Yep. We are no longer Simpatico. No. Uh, Then we get to her roles in the 2000s. She was uh, in the Heralds and the Purple Crayon TV show. Uh, The Practice. I show out of that. And Will and Grace. All right. Um, and then in 2003, she is in Cold Creek Manor with Dennis Quaid and Juliette Lewis. I kind of remember when that came out. 
Yeah, I feel, yeah, it like, seems like it's maybe, not a horror movie, but like kind of a, a thriller mm. um, or mystery. Um, and then in 2004, she's in the Halle Berry Catwoman, which I God. have never seen. Okay, so sh- doesn't she play like the villain in this movie? I think she's like... Oh, I think you're right. Yep. I think she's like the super villain mm-hmm. in this movie. I want to see it just for that. Like, I've heard this yes. movie is terrible, but I would really like to see Sharon Stone as like the villain in a comic book movie. I think that's yeah. awesome. I would be interested in in that role for yeah. her, which I, I think she mentions to you that she does eventually get like typecast as just like being the villain because like she got that like cold bitch cold reputation. Cold bitch, right. Which, which for some reason, yeah. you know, is that dumb Hollywood thing of like, well, cold bitch, obviously bad. And it's like, no, no, cold yes. bitch don't necessarily mean bad. Exactly. Um, She's then in the Bill Murray movie, Broken Flowers, which I've never seen. I've seen that. I saw that in theaters. I forgot that she's in this movie. Yeah. Uh, And I don't remember her in it, but I don't remember anything about this movie, really. I think it's a Jim Jarmusch movie. Yeah. I feel like these are all like back-to-back movies that I haven't seen, but know a lot about. Like, she's then in Alpha Dog. Fuck, I've seen that movie, too. I don't remember in it either. tons Uh, of these movies. And I like Alpha Dog. We should watch that sometime. Yeah. Um, and then she is in Basic Instinct 2 with Charlotte Rampling. Uh, which we did, of course, watch, which, because why would we not watch the sequel to Basic Instinct? We had to watch it. How um, could it be bad? It, yeah, it's, it, listen, it's not great, but there's, like, entertaining stuff, and she, I think, does come back to the role and do... She returns to Tremel fine. Yeah. It, this movie, I think, kind of stinks, but it's mostly just because, like, they it, it has no reason to exist. They literally did... It, it's yeah. not that there couldn't be a good sequel to basic instinct it's that there is no reason for this sequel to exist because they did nothing but just tell the same fucking story again yeah just with With a guy that is less interesting yeah that you are less convinced that she would even take this interest in yeah it's very strange um and i think they also try to like because he's a psychologist, they try to like explain her character more in this one that like, you don't really need that explanation. Like they keep being like, she's a thrill seeker. She needs to keep like escalating, like, yeah. vi- which like, okay, the opening of this movie yeah. is wild. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about because, it. Because so it opens with like this car, like racing down the highway. This guy is driving the car. No, she's driving the car. There's a guy next to her. That's like kind of like fucked up on, drugs and then as she's driving she takes his hand and just makes him start like fingering her as she is driving the car and then they just eventually speed and like drive off into like a uh a river or yeah, something yeah, and you're like just like a reservoir or something yeah you're just like what the fuck like the yeah. first two minutes of this movie yeah. are insane wild yeah um, but yeah, like it, you know, it's, it is not great. That's for sure. One thing I think is really interesting is that Robert Downey Jr. was supposed to be the star, but that was around the time that he got caught for drug possession. Interesting. I mean, I wonder if there is a better movie, if it's a more interesting, charismatic movie star yeah. that she is chasing after. Yeah. I, cause yeah, it ends up being, I forget his name, but he plays the governor in like a uh, season, like three or four of the, uh, the walking, the walking dead. dead yeah. Um, so that's the role I know him from and he's really good, but he, he's like not great in this. He's not doing no. anything like very interesting. Um, she does a full frontal nude scene in this movie, uh, which is like very impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, she apparently like had a friend come over and strip down totally naked and asked if they if she could still pull it off before <laughs> she decided to do this scene for the movie. Um, 
she agreed to come back and reprise her role in a pay or play arrangement, meaning she got fully paid whether the film would ultimately be made or not. And I believe she ended up like taking them to court uh, because huh. they tried not to pay her. Um, David Cronenberg was in talks for doing this movie, which is fucking crazy that is crazy yes. like uh, yeah that is crazy um and i think it's because the producer would not let him bring his like typical like cinematographer or production his, designer like, production his team, usual yeah. team uh yeah uh, i wonder what his interest in this was because again like there's nothing here in this script you know what i mean like yeah. there's nothing here that's not already in that first movie yep there's no twist there's no extra layer there's no, no nothing so like what is the interest yeah, you know exactly um she also has this quote where she said i love doing most of my films hated well i worked with a director on basic two who asked me to sit on his lap each day to receive his direction and when i refused he wouldn't shoot me jesus christ fucking yeah Men are gross. Um, and Sharon Stone's amazing. Um, she's then in Bobby, which I didn't realize was directed and written by Emilio Estevez. Okay, yeah, I remember this movie. This is like a star-studded movie. Like, yeah, like, huge like cast. 30 people are in this yeah. fucking movie. And yeah, it's, it's about um, Bobby Kennedy? Yeah, Bobby Kennedy, yeah. yep. Um, and then in 2007, she was the producer on, and acted in a movie called When a Man Falls. Uh, intertwining lives of three men reveal that each deal with his problems in different self-destructive ways. <laughs> okay. I mean, that definitely sounds like her read on men in general, so I can see why she might be interested in putting a movie together about that. Yep. Uh, in the 2010s, she was in on Law & Order SVU, as well as a show called Agent X, which I had not heard of, but she was Neither. one of the producers on. Okay. Um, in 2012, she was in Border Run with Billy Zane. <laughs> All right. About a female reporter searching for her brother in the backdrop of violence and human smuggling on the U.S. and Mexican border. Sounds like a Trump movie. I know. Um, in 2013, she's in the movie Lovelace um, about the porn star mm. Linda, Linda Lovelace, Lovelace, which yeah. I am actually interested in seeing this movie just because I think that is an interesting story. Although I don't know if I've heard great things. Yeah, I have somewhat interesting stars in this, I think. Um, From uh, Jennifer's Body. What's her name? Yeah, Amanda Seyfried. Um, yeah, right? that's it. Yep. Uh, she's then in a movie called Fading Gigolo with John Turturro, who John I love. might have directed that movie oh that might be true yeah um she works them again after that in a movie called god's behaving badly oh. with alicia silverstone and christopher walken uh about greek gods living in modern day new york um <laughs> okay now was... since you've been playing a video game recently about uh -huh. the greek gods yes. i am gonna play a game with you and let you try to guess what greek god sharon stone is oh my god i don't know is she um, now I'm just I'm gonna randomly guess the only female god names I can think of. Is she Persephone? No. Is she wait. What are some of the other ones? Think of Sharon Stone and like what she would be a goddess of. Oh yeah, is it Dionysus? Isn't that no, the god of wine? And... But that's actually that's a good guess. But okay. I think Dionysus is a is a god. Oh okay. Yeah. Uh. Well, I don't know. What's the, what is the, what is the love and sex one? I don't know its name. I don't know. Aphrodite. Aphrodite, right. Yeah, 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 yeah she yeah, plays yeah. Aphrodite, yeah. which makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, you're right. Yes. Um, 
Then in 2015, she is in a movie called Life on the Line, starring John Travolta, which I had not heard of, about a crew of men who do the high wire work of fixing the electrical grid, and they're hit by a <laughs> deadly storm, uh-huh. which is such a 2015 action movie plot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's interesting. I For some reason, I would watch that. I don't know why, but for some reason, John Travolta as the guy fixing my electric wires sounds like a good movie to me. <laughs> Seems pretty funny. Um, And then for the 2020s, um, she was on TV shows like The Flight Attendant, which I've heard good things, as well as uh, the Brian Ryan Murphy uh, Ratchet about Nurse Ratchet. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And then in 2023, she has a movie coming out called What About Love? Did you mention that she was in The Disaster Artist in 2017? Oh, shit. No, I skipped that. I I, I forgot that she's in that movie. I Um, haven't seen The Disaster Artist, but I've heard good things. Yeah. you know, I've seen the insane movie it's based on. Yes, yes. Um, she did a lot of, like, ads and music videos as well. I think she was in a Sting music video. She mm. did Dior ads. Um, she A lot of the things she produces are a lot of documentaries that are kind of centered around, like, world peace, religion, women's rights. Um, she's been married twice and I believe has three adopted children. Um, I think she had several miscarriages and so she had trouble oh. like actually having a child of her own. Hmm. Um, she plo- posed nude for Playboy at the age of 32. Hell yeah. Way to go, Sharon. Go, Sharon. Um, she owns her own production company called Chaos, um, nice. <laughs> which I love. Um, she's received humanitarian awards from the Human Rights Campaign. Um, she does a lot of like work with like gay and lesbian rights. Um, she, I think starred in a TV film where she played like Ellen DeGeneres's lover and that oh. kind of like got her started on that. Okay. Um, she received the Knight of the Order of Arts and Letters from the French government in 1995. All right. So um, she's a knight in France. Yes. Hell yeah. Uh, she also supports a lot of like AIDS research and organization, okay, um, yeah. which ties to her friend Brock Hudson, who died of AIDS. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of became like a big focal point from mm-hmm, her. Mm-hmm. Um, she also helps raise a lot of money for people um, who are homeless as well as like people who have HIV and AIDS. Mm-hmm. Um, she published her memoir, The Beauty of Living Twice in 2021, uh, which I believe centers around um, she had a, a near-death experience in 2001. Um, she had a really serious stroke and had oh. to go undergo several hours of brain surgery. Oh which she mentions that Paul Verhoeven was one of the only people in the business that came to visit her. Oh, wow. Way to go, Verhoeven. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know a whole lot about him other than that he does tell a lot of female-centric stories and, and yeah. interesting actresses seem to work with him, you know, repeatedly. Yeah. Um, including Sharon. She worked with him more than once and stuff. So it is interesting that they have that battle over basic instinct but yeah. still have been able to maintain, like, a relationship with each other despite it. Yeah. Uh, which I think is pretty interesting. Um, I think she's also really vocal, like about like, you know, me too movement stuff Mm -hmm. and specifically like her experiences, like working in Hollywood uh, because she's had just like a lot of issues with like sexism and like men, like, touching her doing stuff they're not supposed to. Uh, She has a quote in regards to like directors asking her to sit on their lap. She's like, does Tom Hanks sit on your lap? (laughs) (laughs) Very good. 
Um, her films were banned in China in 2008 when she insinuated that the earthquake that happened there was karma for the government's policies against Tibet. Oh, my God. Just fucking hilarious to me. Um, and then one of the last uh, quotes I found was just uh, one that says, people used to say Sharon Stone has the biggest balls in Hollywood. It's not a coincidence that I was the first woman to get paid something considered uh, respectable. Still a whole lot less than men, but more than women had been paid in the past. Yep. Um, yeah, that, I mean, that the just the idea that she was like producing her own movies and stuff is like... Uh, those are the kinds of keys to the kingdom that women just yeah. have not been getting in Hollywood for like decades at this point, yeah. you know? Um, and she's great. I follow her on Instagram. Uh, I think she was like reporting from the uh, Cannes Film Festival recently and she showed up in this like fucking stunning dress and she had like two really young men on her arm. Yeah. And I was just like, you're the coolest woman ever. She was on um, uh, Brett Goldstein's podcast recently. He, oh, I got to listen to that. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's one of the stars of Ted Lasso. Mm. and um, Yeah, we love him. Yeah, she was awesome on it. She was like oh, cool. really cool and just like a rad lady that like, you know, was like happy to talk about movies, but mostly wanted to just be like, yeah, but I like raise a lot of money for like good stuff around the world. Yeah, you know? and she's like, you know, like people ask if she wants to like act more and do more yeah. things. And I think she says like, she's like, I don't have like the hunger for it anymore. Right. But she was also like, you know, I get to like do a lot of philanthropic work from home and spend time with my kids. And yeah. I think she like took up painting and other mm -hmm. arts like during the pandemic. And she's like, and that's like kind of nice. And I'm yeah. like, that sounds kind of nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She seems like relatively happy, you know? Yeah. She's yeah. Which like, you know, seems like very gentle and yeah. lovely, but also like a take no bullshit mm -hmm. kind of lady. And I yep. think like, you know, in a world where I probably can't be a Catherine Trammell, I think maybe I want to be, be a Sharon, Sharon. Stone. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> Cause she's just, uh, yeah, she seems like just a soft, but like awesome, like woman. Yeah. And I dig her so much. She rules and she is just fucking great in like everything we watched her. Yeah. And she just is always good. Yeah. She's, she steals scenes. She's yeah. just like always impeccable. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm surprised I didn't talk about how she like looks like every, outfit she's given in casino is amazing oh, yeah. it's honestly her, one of my favorite parts of it is they just take unreal in that. yeah they take the opportunity to style her in like some like outrageous outfits but yeah. like she looks incredible in all yeah. of them yeah um and then yeah like she's done like tons of cool interviews um i found one on the new yorker vogue npr vanity fair aarp um yeah she's done uh tons of cool stuff and the the article she wrote on Vanity Fair is called How Basic Instinct Nearly Broke Me. And it's like a really good insight onto like this big role that is like the main role she is like known for, but also had like, you know, a ton of bullshit attached to it. Sure. E even at the time, like her just still, I think she was in her thirties when she did it, but she was like still like newer to acting. And so it's just hearing her perspective on it is really interesting. And I'm glad that she still talks about these things. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This was awesome. I'm so glad we got to do yeah. her. I'm glad that we were able to convince ourselves like, yeah, she makes sense for the show. Oh yeah. She's worth talking about. Didn't take a lot of convincing. You were like, we should talk about Sharon Stone. And I was like, I mean, I would always talk about Sharon yeah, Stone. Yeah, I was rewatching The Quick and the Dead, and I was like, this is a genre movie. She counts. Let's yep. go. Let's do it. Yep. And it worked perfectly. Yep. Glad we did it. Cool. This is wonderful. Yeah.
happy to talk about Sharon. You want to get out of here? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, um, you can find us everywhere on the internet at Killer Bees Podcast. That's Killer BS Podcast everywhere. Shoot us an email at killerbeespodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Let us know who you want us to cover, who we should talk about. Yeah. And you can find me on the internet at Philadelphia. That's with an F. Oh, hey, uh, you know, if you're listening to our show or wherever you're listening to it, give it like a rating, like it, follow it, yeah. whatever whatever you can do. Yeah, and definitely email Killer Bees mostly because I've been getting spam emails about Bitcoins, and that's all I've been getting in the Killer Bees email. Yeah. So give me something interesting to read. Yeah, we, we don't need any Bitcoin. No. Um, and then, yeah, you can find me on the internet. Uh, I am the Neon Banshee on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and you can find me writing for Movie John. Buzz, buzz. buzz.